Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Music's Elite Seat podcast. Taking the very first Elite Seat today is Mr. Seth Rausch. Seth plays drums for the megastar Keith Urban. Along with his amazing feat, Seth has also played with the country band Little Big Town and has toured the world with them and with Keith and has been there and done it all in Nashville. I'm extremely lucky to get some of Seth's time as we speak about his journey, advice he has for others and much, much more. Thank you, Seth, for such a great chat and thank you all for listening. Please follow at Music's Elite Seat across all platforms and I'll see you in the next episode. Cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, man, I'm sorry it took so long. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, just a bit. What, what do you do again? Like, uh, you told me originally what. Yeah, um, I play. Uh, I play drums for Carnival Cruise Line. Okay, cool. Yeah, so um, I finished my. Uh, I did like some degrees and stuff in the UK, and then I, I, because I want to basically do like the kind of thing that you do. Um, you know, playing with a with a big artist. Um, this side, yeah. this side of the world. Um, and so I was like kind of in a really weird place. I didn't really know what I was doing after my degree and stuff. And, uh, and someone that I spoke to suggested go like going to the ships. Like they said, it was really good for your like playing and your reading and stuff. And so I applied for a bunch of ships and, uh, I was fortunate enough to get Carnival. Uh, and I've been with them the last year and a half. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. That's killer, man. Yeah. How are you? What, what's new? Man, you know, not a ton. <laughs> not a ton, man. We, uh, uh, you know, a lot of home time right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How have you been uh, keeping busy? Just uh, home recording, you know. Yeah. Doing some recording at the house, playing a little bit. My, you know, my family lives here and, and some of our buddies. We have a little band that we just have an outlet to go play a little bit. Yeah. But uh, we're playing tonight, actually. But uh, yeah, man, just uh, sessions, you know, just trying to yeah stay stay creative as much as possible. So no news on uh, on any tours or anything like that at the moment. Not right now. No, we haven't seen anything definitive. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. We just haven't. Oh, I see. I think they kind of just wrote the rest of the year off, and we're kind of waiting to hear what what the game plan might be. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we're in a similar yeah. position. We're waiting for the ships to let us know when we're going to go back. You know, so I just yeah. think everyone's in this in this position. So, are you playing live tonight? Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you're based in Nashville, right? Yeah. Oh, nice. Nashville's gorgeous, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm about forty-five minutes north of Nashville. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm from New York originally, but every ever since I moved here, I've been in this area, and I just kind of stayed. I'm used to the commute, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you've done a good job of uh, of getting work in Nashville, anyway. Well, it's you know, it's been a 21, 22 year just <laughs> one foot in front of the other, you know. Yeah, which kind of leads me on nicely to my first question. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Steve Jobs speech when he says you can only connect the dots looking backwards. He does like a Stanford address speech and okay. he says like, you know, when you're in, when you're in it and you're going for it, you're kind of blind to what is in front of you. And then when you look back, you're like, oh, this led to this, which led to this. And now, and now I'm here, you know? So I was wondering yeah. if you could talk me through your kind of dot to dot blueprint of how you went from New York to now. You know, you've played with some of the biggest country stars on the planet, you know? Yeah, just, um, uh, 
uh, family was musical. We moved to Nashville. My dad was really into songwriting, so he wanted to relocate. And, and so we came down here. And really, you know, it's like anything else. It's just um, musicians. It's your calling card is, is playing, you know, and, and meeting people. And one person makes a phone call, and then that leads to another phone call, and you know, and then you're you're getting gigs along the way, and and people get used to, you know. It, it for a long time it seemed like, I mean, I say a long time, you know, time goes so fast, like <laughs> yeah. four years used to, you know, that's not a long time. Anymore, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it felt like an eternity from. 96 to 2000 when yeah. I got my first gig and it was like four years is like gone in two weeks it feels like now yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. but but um yeah just um my dad had come down first and just started meeting players who were doing what I wanted to be doing and um uh one of the first guys that I met was a steel guitar player for an artist and he introduced me to a really great drummer in town who had artist gigs and was giving lessons and you know I just kind of treated it as as being the eternal student and just I met with them and we got together and I just wanted to keep learning because um, you know I, at that point I had just you know it was the typical like I was confined to my small town you know, yeah. and I had finally gotten out and I, w I just learned naturally, organically by ear. I never really took formal lessons. And so I needed to hone in on on the raw, you know, kind of talent that might may have been there and just kind of, you know, yeah, make sense of it a little bit and yeah. then start to learn, you know, how the whole system works. And, you know, um, you know, it's it's similar to like you know I played basketball growing up, and it was a huge difference uh, from like playing, you know, on in the schoolyards, or not even the schoolyards, like just for fun out, you know, and then trying to play organized sports where there's a coach and there's like you got to follow plays, and it's not just you're just you know yeah. doing it off the top of your head. So. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's just uh, musicians, you know, just just meeting guys and one thing led to another. And, you know, I was going to say for a while it was kind of like, well, we, we'd really like to get someone with experience. And you're kind of saying to yourself, well, if you don't give me the experience, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> right, know? right. But little by little, you know, yeah, stuff just start, started happening. And, and um, you know, one artist would you know, typically new artists would come along and that would kind of end and something always seemed to be there and they right. got a little bit better and, yeah, you know, um, but, uh, so how did the Keith Urban gig come about? So most directly, um, in 2013, I was playing with a band called Little Big Town. Yeah. They are, they're yeah. really good by the way. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. Um, Spent four years with them, and in 2013, in the summer of 2013, we um, toured with Keith. We were the, the, yeah. the main support act. And 
we just, you know, you, you're on the road with guys for six months, and so our bands um, kind of became friends, and we would watch their gig, and they were just a huge fan of the sound that Little Big Town had and what we were doing, and so they'd watch our show every night. And so fast forward, the end of the tour comes in February of 2014, and that was that. You know, we... we both kind of went about our business after that. The tour was over. So the year goes by, and I, I woke up one day and had a text message from the now new band leader who was the bass player before Chris McHugh. Of course, I know you know his name. Yeah. Um, was the drummer for many years, and, and uh, he wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, most of a, a whole year had gone by, and when that change was made, um, Jerry Flowers, the, the bass player, new band leader, just, I was the first name that popped in his brain. So he he said, call me. And, and so we talked a little bit and, you know, I made the decision to make the move and I did, did do a little audition process, you know, yeah. as a formality, I think, um, just to was that with sure. Was that with Keith or with the band? That was basically with the band. Keith wasn't there. Okay. For the audition, they they filmed it, you know. And, yeah. Uh, we played through a couple tunes and and it, it worked out. You nice. Know? So was yeah. that was there any like prep to that audition? Like, could, did you have the stuff in advance, or did you just like you said, you kind of yeah. like play through it a few times and? I, I want to say maybe. I don't know if it was as much as two weeks, maybe a week. Okay. Gary, Gary threw me a couple tunes, you know, three songs to listen to, and and that's what we we played, you know. Yeah. So I just kind of shed it on those a little bit. Yeah. And then just went and played them. That's great, man. Yeah. That's so good. So and, it worked out, man. Now it's six years later. And, yeah. You know. And some so, of the biggest shows ever. Yeah. I think my brother was actually in. You did the show. I think it was was it last year you did the show in Nashville on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah. My brother was there for that show. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we did it for three years in a row. Oh, nice. Maybe four. I don't, maybe this year would have been four. Yeah. But definitely we did it three years in a row. So. <laughs> that's yeah. so good. Well, that's cool. And he was there last yeah, year. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. We went to, uh, we went to Nashville a few years ago because it was on our bucket list. We both love Jack Daniels and like we're big country music fans. And so, we did like the whole bucket list. We went to the Lynchburg, like we went to the factory and stuff. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've done that. Yeah, it was great. And, um, and my brother's like a much bigger country fan than me. And then he introduced me to it. Um, and then I actually did an interview a few years ago with Jake Summers. Do you know him? Uh, I don't think so. He plays for Luke Combs. Okay. Yeah. See, I never, I never, I never met Luke Strummer. We, we backed Luke up. He was part of a benefit concert that Keith does. Yeah. Um, so I met him, but I, I've never met his drummer. I don't yeah. Believe. Yeah. He's a, he's That's a really awesome. nice guy and he lives in, uh, I think he lives in Nashville now as well, obviously with the work, you know? Okay. Um, cool. but yeah, so it's so cool. So did, was that kind of like always when you moved to Nashville or like you as a person, did you always think I want to play for the biggest bands and, and artists or was it kind of like any work? Like as long as I'm playing, you know, that's all that matters, you know? Um, I knew I wanted to do it. I wasn't really quite sure where it would lead me. I think, you know, 
I just wanted to get a gig. I know some guys love to just start a band. I just always wanted to. I grew up kind of staring at record jackets, and I just kind of had this thing in my mind that I just wanted to be a hired musician, you know, I think. And I just, um, but I didn't know. Obviously, there was always the desire and the drive to, you know, get the better gig or the next gig or the next gig or whatever it was, you know. And um, But I I, I just uh, kept playing and, and keeping the faith, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You, you did know? a good job, right? Well, it worked out. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, really I think you touched upon the fact that you you moved to Nashville and then you had a teacher there. So did that teacher kind of take you through, like, do you read much with the job? I do, a little bit, yeah, yeah. A, a fair amount. Yeah, yeah. So, so did he take you through the, like, those kind of things? Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, and a lot of it, too, like I said, was honing, you know, it was, it was focusing more on reading. I mean, it, it was a huge amount of just learning everything new that I could, you know, whether it was yeah. cool licks or figures or grooves or whatever to just keep opening my mind yeah um but but a lot of it was making sense of what my limbs were already doing that i had no idea right there were so many feels that i was feeling and things i could play and and if you just put it on a piece of paper in front of me i'd kind of stare at it you know yeah and then he would play it and i went oh yeah i've done that a million times right 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 connect what it looks like when it's yeah. in front of me. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know? yeah. It, like, he that, was most... I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, no, no, you go, you go. I was going to say, he was definitely um, responsible for, for you know, throwing me on a couple auditions, um, and then uh, it, it ended up being... I, I, you know, did one or two little one-off artist gigs that didn't amount to anything, but... Um, there was a band that he was playing with, um, you know, a country artist, and he had to leave the gig. And so he basically handed it off to me. And that was kind of the start of my artist career at that yeah. point. So he was definitely responsible for, you know, being the guy who kind of put me on the first gig, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think sometimes you need that push as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a teacher who took me to my first open mic night and like it might have taken me a lot because you it's always that thing of like oh I'll go when I'm ready you know and it's like I think it can it can go on so long that it just takes someone sometimes to just be like well we're gonna go tonight and you're gonna go up and play live with a bunch of people even though you might yeah. not feel ready yet you know yeah but um and I was hungry man I was so hungry at that point because. I mean, I, I had done five or six auditions at that point. Yeah. From the Dixie Chicks when they were new, Gary Allen, the Wilkinsons, um, you know, at least two or three others. Yeah. A couple other people, and nothing was coming out of it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it's crazy how, as time went on, two of the main auditions that I did that did that I didn't get I ended up playing with those artists you know, <laughs> right. which doesn't really happen all the time yeah you know? right but uh the Wilkinsons was one of them and that was the gig that a f- handful of years later I ended up just taking over yeah um you know but but uh yeah it was uh that was definitely the beginning of it for 
for sure. Okay, cool. And so yeah. you said that with Little Big Time, you did a four-year tour, right? It was like four uh, years, well, kind I of like... Four years, yeah. Yeah, and then with Keith Urban, you've been with him for six years, and I imagine there's a lot of touring there as well, right? Yeah. So what's the yeah. kind of process for like a huge tour like that? Like with Carnival, we... Um, say two weeks before we fly, they fly us out to the studios, they send us like our material, we'll meet our MDs and stuff. And okay. then we'll have a month, we, there's, they've got this big rehearsal facility in Fort Lauderdale in Florida. And then you go there for the month and you do nine to five rehearsals for that month. And then they send you to the ship for six months. So like, wow, so okay. that's the kind of process there. But I was wondering what it was like for like, you know, a, a stadium or arena tour or something like that, you know? Um, I'll tell you, man, not as, not as much as you would think, you know, I mean, like for us, it, it seems like, um, there's always new music to work up. Um, not all the time, but it usually seems to coincide with a new album or new material or whatever. So there's, there's the musical side of it, but then there's the production side, you know, so like there might be a two to three week block, you know, where someone's kind of already designed, uh, designed the set, uh, and the, the feel and the, and the show aspect of it. And, and, you know, like Keith will spend a lot of time on that because that's what people are, are seeing. And then, you know, we'll, we'll pretty much do like, it seems like a week worth of just kind of really rearranging the set working on arrangements um and then just trying to you know do it to where the show the production aspect is is with the music yeah you know um and then pretty much hit it you know i would say not much more than a few weeks you know yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. and so how many will you will that be like daily rehearsals or yeah 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 it'd be like you know similar to a nine to five, 10, okay, cool. 10 to six or something like that. But yeah. you know, there, there ends up being a lot of time where we're kind of just on call and ready because <laughs> we'll try to do something and then they'll have to tweak something with the set or the right. lights or yeah. whatever. And, and uh, you know, the good thing is that they're never really waiting on us too much as yeah. far as it's not like we have to just, it's, it's not like it's pulling teeth to hash out um, the musical elements yeah. pretty much, you know, Yeah, we do what we do and, and we'll take some direction from, from Keith if he's hearing something that, that he wants different, but you know, it's not, not, not too uh, extensive. <laughs> I see. Yeah. And so do you, do you still get any pre-show nerves? Yeah, man. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more excitement, you right. know, but, uh, yeah, I always have a little bit of jittery, you know, like a little little jittery just but but it's a it's a healthy it's, you know. Right. You'd probably be more worried if you didn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. It's it's um you know, it's kind of cool that that never goes away, but at the same time, sometimes I'm just like, man, just hang out for a second, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But that's just me, you know. Yeah. So what do you do before the show? Um we just hang, we put some music on and hang out and I'll throw some sticks in my hands, you know, for a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm, I need to warm up more than I do. <laughs> I really don't warm up too much, but yeah. 
Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I'll just, uh, you know, maybe throw in some earbuds and listen to a couple parts that maybe I want to, you know, work on for myself. Yeah. Um, show moments or, or whatever, but, um, yeah, we'll just hang out and, you know, pop a beer and just get ready to go have a good time and play some music. <laughs> nice. So you do, yeah. so you, do you have a warm up routine or is it kind of like you just, not like, anything specific. Okay. I'll just run through some rudiments, you know, I'll put some earbuds in and just play random stuff over top of that. So yeah. there's like just things going on at the same time. So I, I can kind of just align my brain a little bit and, and focus on playing something that has nothing to do with something else, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I'm... kind of stretch for sure, you know? Yeah. It's such a like, you know, <laughs> I definitely try to stretch out my forearms because they, they'll get real, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sometimes we come out of the gate swinging for like 12 straight minutes, you know, or 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes without stopping, but. Yeah, because um, his, his yeah. music is quite upbeat as well, right? It is, yeah. A lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which can get probably quite tired, I imagine, especially like with the adrenaline of the show itself, right? Yeah. There's definitely a huge, like, you know, when you're done and you just did that for two hours, it just doesn't stop, you know? Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. When it's over, it's like, it's, you feel like, it felt like you just run ran a marathon. Yeah. Now. So, like, how do you wind down then? Uh, it depends what we're doing, you know, if we're traveling to the next city on the bus, we'll just hang out on the bus for a little while, or, um, you know, a lot of times, I would say over the past couple of years, man, more times than not, we're, we're flying in and out a lot, so right. we'll, we'll literally run off stage, our stuff is already loaded, and we're in the runner vans back to the airport, you know, yeah. and then just kind of get a little bite to eat and hang out nice yeah and uh i guess the the nerves kind of you don't have nerves about the actual material itself right because it's like it's so well rehearsed you know that like i can imagine like a lot of a lot of players that i played with like some people that's i played in bands with some people who are really good crammers so they'll cram everything in the last minute and then i've also worked with people who are like in the middle you know they start well and then like i'm like the opposite i have to work as long as I can, like the more time I get with the stuff, like the better I feel about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes I've seen people have more nerves when they feel like they don't know the material as well as they could, you know? Definitely. Definitely. You know, and, and I think the more, like touring years are so great because you're, you're essentially rehearsing every day and you get tighter and tighter and 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 the show aspect comes out and it just like is on autopilot yeah you're just you're just going you know yeah and do you keep Um, i know some drummers will do like not like completely different but say they've got some room to open up um in some songs they'll might do something a variation every night but then i have also spoken to other drummers uh i spoke to dua lipa's drummer i've done an interview with him and he was saying he keeps it the exact same every single night for every single show because you know he doesn't want to throw people off and if maybe Dua Lipa is used to hearing a certain fill for a certain you know set like segue into another section like he doesn't want to met you know mess with those sorts of things so what what's your kind of thought on that definitely not definitely not as hardcore as that I mean I'm I'm essentially if you heard five shows you would probably say that I was playing the same thing but I don't think you know 
if it feels a little different or yeah or whatever it's definitely and that's not so much ex- i mean if it's a signature thing obviously it would have to be there but um yeah there's definitely little right nuances that might change yeah you know? um and that's totally fine it's, yeah it's all in the realm of of what the song needs yeah you know? yeah 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 so what would a what would a typical day on tour look like for you guys, if there is such thing? Uh, like when we're touring, yeah, it, not real exciting. I mean, just <laughs> we might check out the city we're in or go to the hotel or whatever. But essentially, there's nothing we can do until sound check at three in the afternoon. So, right. you know, and and they're spending. They're loading in. At, they probably closed the last door on the truck at one or two in the morning from the night before, and they're loading in at six. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're literally just setting the, everything up. And yeah, it's two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon until. So there's really it's just keep yourself busy, you know, try yeah. to do something productive, um, and not run to catering every fifteen minutes. And, <laughs> eat a bunch of stuff yeah i've heard that it's uh it can be quite dangerous the uh yeah. the catering for these tours yeah but <laughs> but it's cool i mean a lot of times it, you know when we're on tour we're in in cool cities so we can you know um i'll go wander around a little bit yeah and, what... and would would keith find that difficult like does he kind of do the same thing usually you find like with the artists and bands when you get like a, an artist who's like you know, world famous, so especially if the band is in town, you know, um, yeah. I've heard stories where the band are like free to kind of go and do what they want, but then the artist can't, you know? He does a little bit, you know, he'll get out. He's not afraid to just get out. Yeah. You know? He'll just, he doesn't, you know, bury himself. He'll go to a local gym and he'll do some exercising or, yeah. or go just explore a little bit. And, yeah. Um, there's been a couple of, a couple times on the road where he'll just call us up and say hey what are you guys doing tonight you want to just we might be some little town you know and we'll just go to a bowling alley and, and bowl you know like and just, <laughs> yeah. you know sometimes people will you know sometimes the town's almost so small and it's a day off maybe or something and it's just you know sometimes what you don't expect to see is your best cover because people aren't really looking for it right 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 it's know? like hidden in plain sight right yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so you obviously play you play in the studio as well, right? Uh huh. So you do studio sessions. So what would a so if an artist came to you and it was kind of like a do you, do you deal with everything as like obviously a blank canvas when you go in, and then how what's your kind of process for giving them the best the best product? Just listening to them, what they're feeling, what they might want, you yeah. know, and. It's kind of 50-50, you know. Um, I mean, usually they'll, they'll let you know what they might want to feel or, or to be or whatever. And then you're, you're pretty much just, you know, starting off by playing what you feel. Right. And, it, and if it resonates, cool. And if it doesn't, then, then you change, you know. Yeah. But uh, a demo and a chart and then just, just go with what you what your instincts would tell you you know yeah because obviously you're being hired for that job because of your playing style right otherwise they'd have someone else there yeah yeah 
most times, you know, especially if there's a producer involved, he's yeah calling you because he knows what he's going to get from you. you know? Yeah, yeah. So. And so, kind of going back to the tour thing, um, obviously, like, I'm, I'm assuming tour can be quite like Instagram. I know, like, certainly with Carnival, you'll post all, like, your beach pictures and stuff. Um, and you'll post kind of like the best parts of your job, but then you won't post the times where it gets like a bit tough on board and, you know, you've been away for like eight months, you know? So what yeah. would, what would you say are some of the tougher aspects of, of tour? Just not being home. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, this, this was a, a great move for me when I took the gig with Keith because more things were streamlined. Yeah. And I think that just comes from, uh, you know, bigger budgets, bigger budgets allow, um, more conveniences, you know? Yeah. And it just is what it is. It's not taking anything away from anyone else, you know? Yeah. But the travel's more streamlined. You can get to and from quicker and have more time at home. And, yeah. You know, other than a few long runs, uh, you know, like, like you, you, for instance, what you do, that would be tough, you know? And yeah. like being in the rock world, or the or the the pop world where you're literally gone for six or eight months and maybe you go home for two weeks and yeah. then you're back. You know, Nashville is they call it the weekend warrior stuff. It's basically you're you don't really have to unless you're with a new artist that just can't afford to go back home all the time right. and they keep you out on the bus for, you know, three or four or five weeks at a time. Yeah. You know. I have had some long trips with Keith if we're out of the country or making a trek, you know, somewhere where we just have to be out yeah. um, for 20-something days or whatever. And most of the time it's because we're out of the country. Yeah. But generally speaking, we're home quite a bit. Okay. You know? I mean, there's nothing you can do about having a show on the same date as something that might be going on at home. You know? <laughs> yeah. But... But, I mean, yeah, the hardest part is just to travel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's really what we get paid for, man. Playing's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But it's it's nothing too crazy. It's it's nice not having to be gone for huge chunks at the time, all the time. Yeah. Have you have you done that before? Um, not extensively. I mean, I've been in Nashville ever since I really started trying to play for a living. So, it's. There's been some longer trips, but it's nothing. It's we always come back home, you know. Yeah, I was speaking to a guy once who did an eighteen-month tour. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, like we're our tour lasted six months, you know. Some yeah, people, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, yeah. But like a tour for us is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right, right. Saturday, right. Sunday, uh, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you know. We'll be out for three days and we'll come back home. Yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's nothing crazy, you know. Yeah. Mo- most times, most of the time. Yeah, and obviously, but I never you, really toured yeah. with. Uh, I never really toured with an artist that was like months at a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because oh. I think, yeah, like that's the. I guess that's the side of the job that people don't see either, right? Mm-hmm. Is like is the length of time away, and and like you said, it was interesting that you touched upon like that kind of like that sacrifice aspect like we're we're very lucky that we get paid to play for a living um yeah. but it's also like you you like you said like you can't help it if 
like your I don't know your daughter's birthday is on is on the same night as a show and you know they can't make it out or whatever for us it's like if someone's getting married within an eight month block there's no chance you're gonna you're I gonna know. make it you know I know and over over the years man it's definitely if there's one gig in a month you're gonna bet that it's gonna fall <laughs> yeah. something to do yeah. You know? yeah 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 but uh, I, I you know I, I personally haven't given myself a, a great chance of of not missing things because I have a wife and six kids. So there's wow, like, man. you know, there's always <laughs> something to be missed. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. But they're understanding. You know, I mean, it's it is. It's just it's it's work. You know, and yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And so you've done along with you know a lot of arena shows and tours and things like that you've also done a lot of tv work kind of what mm-hmm. what's the difference is that like there's obviously a huge difference there what you know what what was that like um it's it's somewhere between live and being in the studio right you know you have to pull this live energy cuz that's what you're doing but it's not like you're feeding off of a crowd. The crowd is, you know, in there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a weird, it's just a, it's a different kind of thing. And you're only doing a song or two most of the time. Yeah. You know, unless it's a, a filmed concert of some sort. But, but uh, yeah, it's just a, a different energy. Um, a lot of times the studios are... They're like sound stages, really. They're, you know, and they're cold. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, it's just a different whole kind of mindset, especially when you're, you know, like, look at me, man, I'm playing, and it's, you know, 7.30 in the morning right now, <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, um, but it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's every, everything, every aspect is fun in its own way, you know? Yeah. And is it, and, is it uh, always live? Uh, not always. It depends what kind of TV you're doing. Right. Um, a lot of them are live, live. If you're doing like a, you know, uh, like a morning, morning show America. and stuff, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, a morning show yeah. or a, t- or a, a um, you know, like a late night talk show or something yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But award shows could go either way. A lot of times we'll, you know, we'll either record something and then play to our own. You know, those things are different because it's like in two minutes you're rolling stuff out and plugging everything in. And if it wasn't, if something didn't work, you're kind of, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times Keith will be totally live. His guitar and his vocals are always live. Cool. Um, and then we'll just, you know, get out there and make a music video. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, you know, throughout doing all of these, all of these shows, something I love asking people is if they've ever met their drumming like idols. Uh, I would have loved to have met my biggest one, but he died in 1998, um, just a couple of years after I moved to Nashville, which was Carlos Vega. Right. Um, amazing drummer, huge history. Uh, he had been playing with James Taylor for 10 years at that point. Um, yeah. But... But yeah, I mean, definitely the next biggest one for me, who, um, which is cool because he he would know me if he saw me. We've met each other a few times, yeah. and my drum tech and him are friends. But 
Yeah, the first couple times I ever got to meet him, Steve Gadd was like... Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, what'd you say? Man, the first time I ever met him was actually at a James Taylor concert. Wow. Uh, we got to go backstage. Um, I was with a, an artist at that point. We were on tour with the Rascal Flats. And the band playing before us... Um, it was a band called The Wreckers. It was Michelle Branch and another another female singer. And Michelle's husband at the time was Teddy Landau, who's Michael Landau's brother. And um, those two guys, along with Carlos, made some rock records that were really good. And I was talking to Teddy one day, and Michael, who also has been touring with James for a lot of years now, 20-something years, um, they were on tour that summer. And so we got a hold of them and, and we were able to go to a James Taylor concert and go backstage. And that was the first time I met Steve in person and he was super cool. Yeah. Um, you can imagine and then what's that? You can imagine. Yeah. Uh, super humble, just cool, cool as could be. Um, uh, but then fast forward to now on the Keith gig. And when I first, you know, when we were on tour with Keith in 2013, uh, Harry McCarthy, who owns Drum Paradise here in in uh, Nashville, is a longtime friend of Steve's and has teched for him over the years, along with Jeff Caro and Carlos Vega and Don Henley and everybody. He lived in, in uh, L.A. for a long time. Um, but but through Harry, I had we had hooked up and, and hung out with Gad a handful of times you know because because they're friends you know one yeah. time we were in australia and we found out that steve gad and his band were literally playing literally 30 seconds down the street that night <laughs> and so i told harry like man you might want to call steve because they're here they're right up the street and so he did and, and we got to you know hang out with those guys that day and, and stuff but yeah gad for sure getting i would say he was you know definitely the, the biggest one who's yeah. alive today that I met you know yeah did you talk drums uh no not really no no not too much yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah Gad's great man he he was uh some of the first instructional videos that I had when I was when I was little yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'd love to meet uh Steve Jordan yeah man I think that would be like really cool, you know. Yeah, he's awesome too. I just had the pleasure of doing a. Uh, uh, I don't know if you follow Gretsch drums. Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah. So they do that generations yeah. series, and I just did the eighth episode a couple of days ago. Oh, great! And they just pair you with whoever. Yeah. You know, and so when they called me to do it, um, it's just about taking a relatively not in terms of of your musical career a veteran and a newbie more about how long you've been with the company right 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 and so uh i you know i've been with them now for about 15 years and um just a handful of years ago they got jj johnson um and so they teamed me up with him so it's basically so like yeah man and that was really the first time i ever met him and so it was just it's just two guys just not really interviewing each other, just talking. Right. And we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and 
But yeah, JJ's great too, man. Yeah, that, that pocket, you know. Did he? Play, he he played on the John Mayer "Where the Light Is" album, right? Um, like the live show that he did in in yeah. Greek. That was him, right? Yeah, that was the one, wasn't it? Where uh, there were like three acts that night. I think so. I just remember it's called. I think it's "Where the Light Is" DVD, and it's got him and I think Steve Jordan plays on that as well. Yeah, I think Mayer does like an acoustic set. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, that's right. Yeah, he does it. Yeah, three like segments. Yeah, and he yeah. does the trio as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. You know, Pino and Steve did the trio, and then JJ was doing the, doing like the, the top forty kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. 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 So, he, was cool. he nice? Oh yeah, really nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> cool man. Yeah, so I, it was cool getting to meet him because I'm a huge fan of Tedeschi Trucks too, and he's been doing that for ten years. Now, I'll have so. to check them out. Oh man, they're awesome. Derek Trucks is. Um, uh, Butch Trucks's nephew. I hope I don't get that wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, but Derek, Derek, there's a connection between him and the Almond Brothers. I think his uncle was Butch Trucks, who was the drummer for the Almond Brothers. Oh, okay, okay. But he's in a me. I mean, there's videos of him playing with the Almond Brothers when he's like 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. Just slaying it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check those, check those out. All right, I'll check those out. Yeah. And if I, I think I might have a cool, like a couple concerts. Some I'll text them to you. Okay, cool. Thanks. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, and so this is kind of going in a bit of a different direction, but um, there's like for younger musicians now, I think when you're like when you've been playing for a longer time, you kind of know, you kind of know where you are, what you're good at, so you know the things to work on to make you better at the things you're good at, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. You know, there's like a world of information out there right now. You could get pulled in any direction, you know? Like, I've, I've sometimes struggled within, within drums that, like, you go on, you know, you feel good about what you're doing, the path you're going down, then you look at Instagram, and then you see a bunch of gospel chops, and then you just want to do that, and then that pulls you in that direction, and yeah. then you can Do you know what I mean? So... How would you how would you like kind of advise and address that for for those players that are kind of in this, you know? I would say um, if there's something that you want to learn, focus on it, but never lose sight of the fact that you play the way you play. Yeah, you can always get better within your playing. Maybe you want to improve your time or your feel or whatever but still you, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, just just be careful to never lose sight of the fact that you sound like you do, you know? Uh, because it's easy to want to just replicate so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's all great to a certain degree, you know? Um, because the amount of... I mean, you it's one of those things... You could never stop learning. Yeah. You literally, you, you, there's always more yeah. to learn. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, just don't don't let it drive yourself crazy. You know. Yeah. Play like you play, but just make sure that your feel is good and that you keep good time, and then and and definitely just build off of that. You know. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the time people don't see that. The people who are like the best in their, like, you know, the best of what they do. So like Ash Sohn is known for like his groove works, you know, Steve Gadd. And, and then you've got like Aaron Spears, who is also a great um, groove on, but he's also known for like the chops and stuff like that. But I think what you lose sight of is like, 
when you get to a certain level, I guess, within your own playing, it would be re- very difficult to try and do that, that, you know, because, like, those people have spent years developing those skills, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like the jack of all trades rather than, like... And at the, yeah, and I think at the end of the day, even though all those guys, it seems like this, you know, unattainable mountain of, of skill... You know, they're actually doing what comes natural to them in a certain right. sense because that's right. why they're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and your background has a massive influence on how you play as too, right? So I think, yeah. you know, like um, uh, Aaron Spears, you know, grew up in church and things like that. And that was that sort of culture. So it'd be very hard to like replicate that within your own playing if you haven't had that experience, you know? Totally. Yep. Yeah, that yeah, you can't trade the, um, you know, it's like the old. You could play the blues, but those guys that were playing the blues, they were playing the blues because they really experienced it. Right. You know. Right. 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 Um, it's yeah. not just the style of playing; it's an it's a life experience too. That's what it was originally. Yeah. You know. So. So, so in a world of kind of like unlimited possibility, you would just say focus on the things that you you enjoy and you know kind of follow those yeah, passions. But definitely yeah but definitely keep growing try to always you know you could sit down and, and just play the things that are comfortable for you over and over and over but try to just pick something and because it's not really about doing it like anybody else just from a technical standpoint maybe tackle that lick that so-and-so is doing or whatever because it's always going to develop and open up um, from you in your style, right. you know. Right. You know, two guys can do the same thing, but it's going to sound different because. So there's nothing. Yeah, I mean that's really important is just keep growing, but like just keep learning something new all the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because a lot of the work gets done when you're not behind the drums too. Yeah. It's up here. You know, I remember when I was taking lessons and stuff, we would hash through something. And even if I didn't have a lesson again for a month, it would fester. And I was actually learning by having it just be in my brain. And then all of a sudden, in a couple months, you're listening to a song and you're like tapping along. You get to, you know, use it and feel it in terms of what it, in its context, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, it's definitely a good way of looking at it, I think. Yeah. And so you've obviously worked with a lot of musicians um, throughout your time in all these bands. What is it that you look for and like really admire in other musicians? Um, just, uh, you know, definitely those guys that just want to do what's best for the song to get whatever point that is that needs to be conveyed done in the best way possible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I can't really say that I've experienced too many guys that aren't like that, but, you know, just guys that want to just be a cohesive unit and, and make the song at that moment be what it needs to be. Yeah. And make it feel the best and, and you know, um, yeah, 
Yeah, and is it also important that they, you know, you get along with them off stage? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've never spent any extended period of time with anyone that, you know, I, I mean, if there was any, if anyone, if there was anyone that you didn't get along with, I think it'd be hard to take the stage every night and want to like put a smile on your face and act like you're <laughs> high-fiving each other all night. But I've never experienced that situation, you know? Yeah. Of not yeah. really getting along with anybody. So. Yeah, I think I had this conversation with someone before. I just think it's like the kind of assholes, they kind of like fall off at the sides when you get to like a much more elite level. Like there's not really like any room for that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's always some some guys that that have that thing about them. But I haven't, I haven't really been around any, you know? Yeah. Like would you rather work with someone who is like shit hot but they're just like not great? not nice to work with or would you rather work with someone who's like they can get through the charts but they're just a much nicer nicer person I think at the end of the day if you have to be around anyone for an extended period of time definitely the nice person will go farther yeah. I think yeah. as long as you're getting your job done I think the, I think I've experienced more you know with having issues with um, like sound guys for instance <laughs> right. They just, you know, like, guys that want to just give you crap for, like, tuning your own drums because yeah. it's going to, like, they're going to have to turn a knob again or something. It's just yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, know, <laughs> you do what you do, and, and I'll do what I do. Right, so. right, 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 right. So uh, do you you have a tech on tour? I'm sorry? Do you have a drum tech? Yeah. Yeah, and so with a drum tech, because obviously I've never had one, hopefully one day I'll have one. But, oh yeah, you will. <laughs> thanks, man. So, do you? It's such an interesting process. Like I've heard some drummers will set up a kit in their house and they'll tune it how they want it tuned, and then they'll have the drum tech come over and kind of like, I don't know, measure it up or whatever, and then so they'll just replicate that every night, you know, from that point onwards. That's like one process. That's the only, I guess the only process I've heard. But what's kind of your process with that? Um. You know, Harry is, is, he's done it for so long. He's, he's had professional cartage businesses where he's delivering, uh, you know, studio kits, um, for, for guys and stuff. And, you know, it's just, there's nothing to, I mean, if it, if you were going for like some specialty sound, you know, where, you wanted them tweaked way up high, like a jazz tuning, or way low and dead and flappy. That would be so. But a tech at the end of the day is gonna, you know, take notice of that and then just, you know, uh, just keep doing it. You yeah. know. But I mean, all my stuff's pretty standard tuning, so there's no. Yeah. It's real more more about setting up and positioning and stuff you know yeah so will you do like an initial setup and then he'll just replicate that for every night of the show of the tour yeah like if we you know change the setup or whatever we'll get together one day and we'll just set up you know yeah and then he'll kind of mark out the carpet right you know there'll be some times where you know you get the deception of a new head 
or man, that sounds really nice. And then as soon as you sit down and start playing it, you're like, I knew I was going to do this and it wasn't tight enough. Right. And now it's like loosened right up and it's, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it's all pretty standard. I mean, Harry's is awesome. The drums are always, they sound great. And the position is, is, you know, and really as soon as you spend time together, we've been together for six years. So they, your setup ends up becoming their setup. Right. They know exactly what they right. want to feel and see angle wise. Yeah. After they do it, you know, a few yeah. hundred times, it's like, yeah. <laughs> But Harry's amazing, man. He's he's the best, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great, man. And yeah. one last one. Uh, this is kind of the one that I always end with. What was your advice for like younger musicians, kind of wanting to to go into a similar thing of you? What would your What would your advice be for them? Just play, play everywhere that you can with as many people as you can. Just start your network. Let your playing be your calling card, and and never let your own ego get in the way, man. Like just just play and be cool. That's it, man. Just play, you know. Yeah. Just share the music and and be open to suggestions, and uh, and just just keep playing and growing, you know. Yeah. Because there's always someone above you and someone below you man that's, <laughs> that's right that's right yeah so yeah well thank you yeah. so much man great advice man, thanks for having thank me. you I for really such yeah you. thank you for such a great interview man definitely so keep in touch too i'll send you uh anything cool that i i think you might enjoy like yeah. that live live stuff yeah and i'm gonna check out your um your gretch thing with jj Cool. And I'll, uh, yeah, we just did it a couple days ago. Yeah, well, when it's released, I'll uh, I'll check it out. But yeah, let's keep in touch. And um, if you're exactly, uh, yeah. because yeah, I'm you, I'm it. yeah, I'm in the US probably like ten out of twelve months of the year, and I usually have like maybe like two or three weeks uh, post contract where I'm just kind of like doing nothing. So I awesome. think uh, I'd love to come back to Nashville. So I'll uh, I'll definitely uh, hit you up when I get hit me up. Yeah, I will. Killer man. Thank you, man. Man, be safe. I hope that everyone can get back to playing here, you know? I hope so. I hope so. I hope we go back to the ship soon, and I hope you get to go touring again soon. Yeah. And I'm sure we we'll... should hook up like this sometime and, and uh, you know, play a little or... Yeah. Know, yeah. out some licks or something. You can give me a master class, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I love <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, the man. You stay two, safe. Three, yeah. Four, <laughs> yeah. 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 I knew I was doing it wrong. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, thank oh, you though, man. man. You stay you safe, so and uh, I hope you uh, I hope you get back to work real soon. Yeah, you as well. Thanks a lot. Thank man. you, man. Appreciate Speak to you it. soon. Okay, take Bye. care. Bye.